0: All right, ben. female fight world. This is Felipe Leon. This is our episode number 43. And with us, like always, is my co-host, Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing
1: today? Very good, Felipe. How are you?
0: Good, good. Thank you. Well, we've had a pretty good two last weeks of boxing, of female boxing here. That's what we do here in the two-minute round, in case you didn't know. We look at female boxing. We kind of discuss it and dissect it, your hooks and jabs look. At the female fight world and if you want to call in and share your thoughts with us you can do so at 323-580-5735 323-580-5735 and <clears throat> uh well we had some good action we had some big names in the female boxing world see some action in the last couple of weeks unfortunately it wasn't um, you know, too widespread, and we're going to talk about that when we get there. And then also, we saw some new champions get crowned in the last couple weeks. And then in the next two weeks, uh, it kind of slows down, but we're expecting for it to pick up again in April, May, June, and July, and into the summer. Our next show also is scheduled for March 29th. We do this show every other Thursday here on the BlockTalk Radio platform, BlockTalkRadio.com forward slash Two Minute Round. And let's go to the fight results or the review and go back to Saturday, March the 3rd, where in uh, Glasgow, Scotland, we saw Chantel Cameron score a unanimous decision over Miriam DeLal defending her IBO, 135-pound title, David, scores there were 193 times. I don't know if you had a chance to watch this fight, David, and I did. And Chantel Cameron is, you know, like, I feel like she's a little bit of a sleeper, Uh, As far as a fighter, you know, she's a a former Olympian, I believe, and you could uh, educate me a little bit on that. But she's very well versed. She has good technique, very fast, good defense, good uh, reflexes. And DeLal didn't really bring much to the table except a lot of toughness. She could take a punch and she could last uh, in the fight. But uh, I think Cameron gets overlooked because in the 135-pound division, obviously we have <clears throat> bigger names, the bigger name being, um, uh, you know, Katie Taylor, and then we just saw Michaela Mayer, which we're going to touch on as well. But I think Chantel Cameron with at 6-0 and with already the IBO 135-pound title. I think she's going to make a name for herself sometime uh, in the near future.
1: Yeah, yeah, the fight the fight with Dilaw was a a good uh, style-wise, and uh, and she does have technique and speed, and yeah, she can do some uh, she can make some competitive fights against any of the champions. Uh, now there's um, Delphine Persoon, who's been there the longest and undefeated, and Katie Taylor, and and uh, also uh, well, there's a few others.
0: Oh, what do you think about the fact that I mean? I believe she's English. What do you think about the fact that, I mean, are they even mentioning her as far as, um, you know, uh, facing Katie Taylor sometime in the future? I mean, I think it would be a no brainer, although she is signed to a promoter, but it seems to be like a very small, even club level type of promoter. I mean, she's not signed to, you know, Frank Warren or Eddie Hearn who has Katie Taylor. Why do you think that happened? I mean, I'm trying to – since I saw her, I'm trying to get some more information about her just because, you know, I believe she is a former Olympian. If not, she looks like she has somewhat of an amateur pedigree. Um, why did she end up signing with a promoter a – really a not-known promoter? And I wonder if Frank Warren or Eddie, or Eddie uh, Hearn were interested in her.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, you never know. Um, sometimes uh, it's what kind of crowd appeal or – what kind of fan base they have, and maybe they decided she didn't have a fan base. I, I don't really know for sure, but I know that Katie Taylor had a huge fan base, so she was a slam dunk. They knew that people would come out to see her, and maybe that's the case because a lot of people don't understand professional boxing. They think, well, this girl's undefeated. Oh, why don't you pay them a million dollars? Not understanding that it's about crowd appeal, too. It's not just being good, but the fans buy tickets to watch you fight
0: no i do i do agree with that so we're going to keep an eye on her david because i was pretty impressed with what i saw on uh you actually today i watched the fight today and i was pretty impressed with how she handled uh delal who we've seen before and she's fought some of the some of some good fighters out there and uh and i think that you know cameron was pretty much beating her to the punch and uh, and she didn't really, she, was, she didn't, I mean, I, she completely dominated that fight uh, against a very much more experienced fighter than herself. Yeah, exactly. Now, moving on to the same night at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, Alicia Napoleon scored a unanimous decision over the previously undefeated Femke Hermans in a 10 rounder for the vacant WBA 168 pound title. The scores there were 98 92 two times. In 9991, so it was. It seems like it was a pretty dominating um, performance by uh, Miss Napoleon. Now, David, uh, we conducted an interview last week with another super middleweight, Southern California's own Maricela Cornejo, and you know she has. She's very outspoken. She has no problem stating her mind. And one of the big things that actually t- got some traction in the boxing world, in the female boxing world regarding that interview that we conducted with her through the Prizefighters.com, is the fact that she stated that Napoleon had never fought at 168 pounds. And actually, when she fought for the title, um, neither her or her opponent, Femke Herman, actually weighed in the 160-pound limit. So what are your thoughts about that? And, and, And McCornejo's critique was that you know, that Napoleon was only fighting for an available belt instead of fighting for, you know, the belt that in the weight class that she belongs in.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a strange uh, phenomenon right now that's going on in women's boxing. Uh, you have actually three weight classes where they're interchangeable from 154 to 168. These, uh, there's so few women at those weight classes that they can actually fight for any three of those and with, with ease. And but mm-hmm. I am surprised that none of them made the weight actually for the 168. That they didn't pass, you know, 161. Uh, or it's it's but that's the way women's boxing is. I mean, now you have a, a the girl from Mexico, the heavyweight champion, wanting to drop down to 168. And yeah, uh, I do it for competition. That, that, yeah, yeah, it says it all. There's there's not so many women at the upper. Uh, the upper weight classes that they can fight in all those divisions and go up and down with ease. So it's pretty interesting, but it's also sad that you could easily fight for this title because you can't get to 160.
0: The interesting part, David, is and I'm looking at, at boxrec. I mean, as far as we know, that's the official weight. Uh, Alicia Napoleon weighed 158 and a quarter. And Hermans weighed 159 and a quarter. So they both were under the 160-pound limit. And one thing that was pointed out to me on Twitter was that the WBA 160-pound title is vacant. So they can't actually flop for the 160-pound title, but they decided to, or maybe they thought they were going to hit at least 161 or 162 or something like that. But they came in a little bit lighter than that. But, you know, they could have fought for the 160-pound title, but Alisa Napoleon, now the new WBA super middleweight champion, the other champion in the same division is obviously Clarissa Shields, who holds the WBC and the IBF titles. And, you know, but it is a known fact, and it actually it was um, broadcast on the last Showtime show, which was this last weekend, that she's going to be returning on the ring, I believe it's April 20th, right? Yes, April 20th, uh, where she's going to be sharing the bill with, with uh, uh, Christina Hammer, the current WBC and WBO 160-pound champion. And obviously, they're building up to face each other sometime in the near future, at least in 2018, if not in their next fight, which should be expected by the end of, of the summer.
1: Yeah, I mean Clarissa Shields is like the, like the the clean the cleaner. She's out there to clean up all those divisions, and uh, she can go up and down too with ease. Uh, I think it's a good matchup, you know, for for her to face uh, Felicia Napoleon, and um, after she deals with uh, Hammer, of course.
0: Well, let's see what the WBC and the IPF do. I mean, if if Clarissa Shields goes down to 160 and fights Christina Hammer and defeats her for the WBC and WBO titles, I'm sure that WBC is going to ask her to keep one of the two, and we'll, and we'll right. see if she'll at 160. She, she said it on this show a couple months ago that her plan's even going down all the way down to 54 and seeing if she can entice Cecilia Breakout to a fight uh, before she retires. So we'll see if she's even interested in going back to 168. If she doesn't, then at least an opponent positions herself as the only champion in that weight class. And then she could have all the other women gunning for her, like Maris- Marisela Cornejo and um, uh, Raquel Miller, who we also had on the show on our, on our last episode, on episode number 42, we had Raquel Miller. And she said she would be willing to go up to 168 as well. And who knows if Christina Hammer ends up losing to Shields at 160 and she wants to move on to 1 to 168 to try to capture another world title at a different weight class, we could see her up at 168. So quite interesting, David, that female boxing, for the most part, all the popular weight classes where a lot of the competition is found that it might be like at 135 and below, you know 126 122 115 112 118 even 108 but like you say anywhere from 154 to 168 is starting to you know heat up and we include you know the super wel- welterweight champions of, of Anna Gabriels from uh, Costa Rica and Chris Namus from Uruguay and Ewa Pawolska from Poland then it starts getting really good and if we even mention Cecilia Breakout, then you know it might be some of the hottest divisions in female boxing.
1: Yeah. In a way it, it's strange that it's working out that way, but it seems like, Hey, they, they don't mind if they fight between weight classes, they really don't mind at all. They don't seem to have a problem making the weights except for this last case where they didn't even make the 168 or well, 161 or 168, but mm-hmm. Hey, maybe uh, the rules should be changed for women. Maybe they should just be uh, as long as you don't go above that weight. Yeah.
0: Now, another fighter that I'm sure that would be more than willing to face some of those fighters at at the heaviest, I would believe, 154 pounds, is Leila MacArthur, who on the same Saturday, March 3rd, from the Sky U Casino in Ignacio, Colorado, uh, scored an eighth-round TKO over Victoria Cisneros in a – in a scheduled 10 rounder to capture the vacant GBU and WIVF welterweight titles. Also, there, there is video of it on YouTube, and Layla MacArthur was Layla MacArthur, you know, her skillful, uh, hard-hitting, and, and busy self. She was scoring all the better punches, combinations to the body and to the head, and she ended up finishing her off in the eighth round with the flurry of punches, the referee jumped in the middle, and that was the end of it. it looked by then that Victoria Cisneros had been battered for most of the fight. I think she had a cut on, on her left eye that the doctor had checked out um, a, a round before. And MacArthur now staying busy and looking to make that fight with Cecilia Breakouts. I mean, she stated it uh, time and time again in interviews here on our show and other interviews that the fight that she wants, the only fight that that she wants is Cecilia Breakout at 147
1: pounds. Yeah, yeah. She still has her eye on the prize, and that's for Cecilia Bracus. And uh, I, before the fight, she was telling me that she wanted to win by knockout just because uh, Bracus had, had fought Victoria Cisneros, too, and they went the distance. So she wanted to prove that she could stop her. And um, that's what she did, Uh she basically took her time in the beginning just wore her down and then unleashed uh, everything in the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds. And looked like they, they could have stopped it even in the seventh round, but they let it go on a little long. But uh, uh, they did the right thing because is a, she's a veteran. She knows what she's doing, but she just got battered that last round.
0: Yes. And, and, you know, yeah, she's a veteran, and she knew what she's doing. She knows what to do to at least, su- you know, survive the 10 rounds. But Leila MacArthur, she did. She knows what she's doing, and she knew she needed to do what she did to stop Cisneros, and she did just that. So let's see what happens. Let's see she continues on that quest to get to Cecilia Brabhouse. She's ranked number one by the IBF. The IBF has ordered the fight. The one thing that doesn't seem like they did was order a uh, – a, uh, a purse bid, and here we are still yeah. waiting to see if the fight is going to happen um, sometime soon. Now, on Thursday, March 8th, from the Corin- Korakuen Hall in Tokyo, Japan, there was an all-female show where Kayoko Ibata scored a majority decision over Korean Ji Hyun Park in a 10-rounder for the WBO 105-pound title. The scores there were 97-93. 96 and 94 for Ibata, and an even 95 and 95, whereas uh, 10K Tsunami uh, scored, uh, actually forced Charles Minowa to not come out for the eighth round in a 10-rounder for the vacant WBO junior flyweight title. So we have a new champion in the junior flyweight division. Um, Also the champions there, uh, with the WBC, is uh, Esmeralda Moreno. The IBF is Alondra Garcia. And then the WBA has long reigning uh, Jessica Yolanda Bob from Argentina. So those are the champions at Junior flyweight. So let's see if they start mixing and matching any of those champs there uh, in the That's new year.
1: Ironically, uh, uh, Tsunami won the title that uh, Naoko Fujioka um Let's take it. Mm
0: hmm.
1: Yeah, she just vacated it, and, um, I mean, she's still in the run. She can fight any of those girls mm-hmm. if she wants now, to, no Oco- I think she wants to come to the U.S.
0: Yeah, and alko Fuyoka continues to be the WBA uh, flyweight champion. So she is the flyweight champion uh, as of now, um, but she was the, the WBO 180-pound champion, but she left it vacant, and Tsunami uh, won that fight with the uh, eight-round TKO over Charles Minoa on March 8th in Japan. Now, on Saturday, March the 10th, in Denmark, Dina Torsland scored a 10-round decision over 50-year-old Alicia Ashley, former champion, and a 10-rounder for the vacant interim WBC 122-pound title. Scored there 97-93 and 96-94 two times. I believe that Ashley stated that be- despite the loss, and despite her age, which has never stopped her before, she's going to continue to fight. So let's see what happens with uh, Alicia Ashley. Now, Dina Dorsman with the win. She's 11-0 and with six knockouts. Joins uh, the full-fledged WBC champion Fatuma Sarika out of Kenya. And also uh, WBA champion is Liliana Palmera from Colombia. The IBF champion is a long-reigning veteran. Marcela Iliana Acuña, the, t- the, the Tigress, the t- and then the WBO champion is Amanda Serrano. But we would expect that that WBO title should go vacant pretty soon, or as soon as somebody uh, states that they're interested in fighting for that title, then I believe that the WBO would let them. WBO the one of the four major sanctioning bodies that does not have any rankings, so we don't know who's going to fight for the title. But Amanda Serrano, we all know that in April, uh, you mentioned it was April 13th, right, David? Correct. April 13th, Miss Amanda Serrano will be making her debut in MMA in Los Angeles, California. And Mr. David Avila is going to be in the house. So even though we don't cover MMA here on the two-minute round, we will be talking about that fight because Amanda Serrano is a big friend of our show, and she's been here with us various times. And we want to see how well she does in MMA because, you know, not to wish her any bad luck, but if she doesn't like it, it doesn't turn out to be what she thought she would be. Maybe she comes back to boxing.
1: Yeah, and right now boxing is starting to pick up uh, in terms of television, and and maybe the purses will be big enough to lure her back.
0: You know, it looks like she's doing all she can. I mean, I follow her on social media. And she's training like a mad woman. I mean, she's doing uh, – I think she, she just posted a couple of days ago. I don't know if you saw this, video, but she was going to do, like, 12 rounds of sparring, and it was going to be, like, three rounds of boxing, three rounds of Muay Thai okay uh, kickboxing, three rounds of, of wrestling, three rounds of grappling. and I mean, it was going to be, like, three rounds of, of everything under the sun for 12 rounds, so she's getting ready. I mean, that's what you expect from her. I mean, that's what she does. That's what she did for boxing and that's what you expect from for her doing in the MMA.
1: Well, she's de- she's definitely a gym rat and she's focused. Okay.
0: Now also David on, on March the tenth from Germany, Raja Amashe, Armenian uh, by birth but fighting out of Germany, scored a unanimous decision over Tamao Ozawa in a 10 rounder for the vacant WBO super flyweight title. Scores there were a close 96 and 94 three times, so she won by a whisker. But interesting, Raja Machev for a long, long time was the, the long reigning WBC silver champion. She was be- defeated. Um, she was defeated there uh, for the uh, by that for that title in that the flyway tournament by Ana Arrazola. and then. You know, you would expect for her to stay with the WPC. She had been with them throughout her whole career, but she decided to not only make the jump to super weight, 115 pounds, but also to the WBO, where she captured the tire. So now, after a long, a long time uh, fighting, she's 21 and one with one draw, four knockouts. She finally becomes a full-fledged world champion, and she joins the other champions at 115 pounds in Deborah. Anai Dionysius from Argentina, Um, the Mexican WBC champion Guadalupe Lupita Martinez, and Linda Laura Lecha of Peru in the WBA. So uh, Raja Moshe WBO world champion uh, crowned this weekend uh, in Germany. And on Saturday also from the StubHub Center in Carson, California, a rainy night, David. We were both there. Mikaela Mayer scored a quick first-round TKO over Maria Semer Zogluo. Semer Zogluo, I don't know, she's six-rounder, 135 pounds, 35 seconds, quick barrage of punches, completely dominating. Mayer, what did you see, David?
1: Yeah, well, uh, Michaela, she had told me before the fight that she she planned to to, to go – as many rounds as possible just to show off to her fans because she had not fought in California in a while.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, she had family and friends coming. But once the rains came, (laughs) she said she knew that none of her fans or friends were going to show up because they didn't want to sit in the rain. So she just went in there with a seek-and-destroy attitude and destroyed her.
0: Wow! Yeah, David. She her first fight. She's 4-0 now with uh, with three knockouts. So her first fight was in L.A. at the Microsoft Theater back in August of last year, and then she went to Tucson and fought there in September. Then to New York um, in December, where Nidia Feliciano went the full four rounds and Mayor beat her by a majority decision. And now back in L.A. at the StubHub Center, she wins by first-round TKO. And now we know that she will be fighting, even though it's not official. But, you know, we get our information uh, our own way that she's going to be on the undercard of May 12th on the Lomachenko versus Jorge Linares fight card in New York. So she's going to be back in New York. I wonder if they're going to bump her up to six-rounders, David, or you think it's going to be another four-rounder?
1: Well, she was telling me – well, actually, I spoke to the matchmaker too, and they are going to – they they had intended this fight to be a six round fight. But Nikayna yeah. uh, just took her out so easy. They they thought that the Greek girl was gonna give her some, you know, some uh, rounds because she had never been knocked out before. But mm-hmm. Mikayah's uh, just she's just too dominating. She's just too fast, too powerful. And I think they're gonna have to get her those six and eight rounds real quick because she's telling me that she wants to fight for the title this year.
0: Yeah, well, they're going to have to... I mean, yeah, I mean, who who's doing her matchmaking? Is it Brad Goodman or Bruce Trampler?
1: Uh, Goodman.
0: Okay, yeah, they're going to have to fight because they pulled uh, Maria Zemezoglu Sem- from Greek. First fight in the United States, seven and three when she stepped into the ring with two knockouts. Not a lot of power, but like you say, David, she had never been knocked out, and she had fought... Um, you know, not too many names in Greece, but she had fought in in uh, France three or four times, and one of those times was against Maiva Hamadouche, who if Hamadouche wouldn't couldn't stop her in an eight rounder. Hamadouche might not exactly. be a big puncher, David, but she's relentless. I mean, she'll hit you, she'll hit you ten times before you even get in the ring. You know, on your walk up yeah. to the ring, she's punching you, um, and if she didn't yeah. stop her. You know, for Mayor to do such quick work. Kinda of does say something about Mayer.
1: Yeah, she's actually she's proving to be um, one of the top females. I wouldn't doubt if she becomes one of the top pound for pound fighters in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah. Now one fight, one fight that I did skip over here Friday, March the ninth, from the hangar in Costa Mesa, California, Golden Boy Promotions on ESPN broadcast. Marisela Cornejo, the super middleweight from uh, Southern California scored a fourth-round TKO in a Schedule 6 over Lisa Noel Garland. This fight was actually fought at super middleweight, 162 pounds was the catch weight. The official time where it was 109. And, you know, Cornejo was really using her size and dominating the action. But the right hand that she scored that basically caught Lisa uh, Garland right in the eye, and you could hear Garland say after the fight, after the fight was stopped, that she couldn't see was a perfect punch in my eyes, David. I mean, she she just basically threw the jab out there just to kind of measure her opponent's distance and then just landed a perfect right hand. She wasn't able to drop her, but it's because the referee was looking for Garland's safety because she couldn't see, and she basically just went against the ropes and stopped her from uh, receiving any more punishment. David, your thoughts on that fight?
1: Yeah, that... um... I actually thought she had a chance to stop her in the first round but she missed the opportunity. Uh I, I talked to her about that and she said that uh she realized she could have stopped her then too. And uh but uh, you know the fight Lisa Garland knows what she's doing and she kind of caught Corneal by surprise by just bending down and um and staying low and uh but you know it's a learning experience. Uh Cornejo doesn't have a, you know, amateur experience that most of the other fighters do that she'll be fighting. And so the more around she gets, the better. But one thing you you did see in that fight is she has a very powerful right hand and she's very accurate with it. And uh that's a primary weapon.
0: Well, she's mentioned to us, she's been on the show a couple of times and we interviewed her that that right hand is, was basically made her into a professional fighter that when she got into the gym um, to, to start, you know, she actually got into boxing to lose weight. She was out here in Los Angeles trying to do something, actress or whatever the case may be, and she got into a boxing gym just to kind of stay in shape and lose weight. And the trainer at the time that, that, that was training her, you know realized that she could hit pretty hard with that right hand, and that's how she started pursuing uh boxing because of her right hand and she and and you know she she showed it uh, last Friday night at the at the uh, Costa Mesa hangar on the Golden Boy promotions card as we all know, she's one of three women signed to Golden Boy promotions, like you mentioned david of the three women. Ines Estrada, Marlene Esparza, and Marisela Cornejo. Cornejo is the one with the least experience as an amateur. She has uh, a good amount of pro fights. She's like 10 and 2 right now. She has about 12, 13 uh, pro fights, but she doesn't have the experience, the amateur experience as the other two women that are with Golden Boy. So we'll see how they they, you know, develop her. I mean, now she has a promoter. They could take her time with her. I mean, somewhat yeah. because they have that support but she's 30 she's 30 years old i believe which is not old you know i mean in female boxing that's not you know and then with the fact that she doesn't have a lot of fights either i mean she hasn't been beat up she's never been knocked down she's never been knocked yeah. out so if she's fresh she's 30 years old exactly she's actually going to be uh 31 next month um, and she's very
1: athletic.
0: So, she's, I mean, yeah. she's a. She's always in the gym. She's always in the gym. She's always training. I follow her on social media, and she's always training, doing two or three workouts a day. So we'll see. I mean, in that interview that we mentioned earlier, she also she has a long-running feud with Raquel Miller, our guest last month. And in that interview, if you haven't had a chance to read it, I invite you to visit thepricefighters.com and, and check it out. Uh, she's very outspoken uh, she speaks her mind which is perfect especially for us writers and <laughs> she says that you know I asked her about Raquel Miller they've had a long a long reigning feud they kind of got into it verbally in Las Vegas a couple years ago the fight hasn't happened and she basically said I kind of asked her hey would you want that fight against Raquel Miller to be like a bigger fight? Like now that you're fighting with Golden Boy, she's on with Debella. would you want to kind of build it up so that it's on TV, that it's something big? And Or would you or would you be okay with it to be like on the undercard of Canelo Golovkin in May and you guys are the first fight and there's probably like 200 people in the stands, kind of like with Marlene Sparsa fights on those undercards where she's the first fight out. And in Vegas, if you guys ever been to a fight in Vegas, the first two or three fights, there's like, there's like a hundred people and the ushers there watching, and that's Prince people watching the fight. So, and she said, it doesn't matter to me. She's just another opponent. She basically just kind of downplayed the whole fact that Raquel Miller being a name or having a fan base or the fact that she has any skill or that she was signed to Debella. And Raquel Miller took exception to that. And as soon as the uh, interview went out, Raquel Miller went on her social media and basically said, hey, let's make this fight now. I want to fight you now. I don't like what you're saying. There's been enough back and forth. Let's fight now. So let's see what happens, David.
1: Uh, yeah, well, let's go up to the promoters. They they have their own agenda and their own plans. Uh, maybe they'll jive. Maybe they do want to make that fight. I don't know. But uh, I think when it comes down to it, it's a like, for instance, uh, Golden Boy also has Marlon Esparza and Samisa Estrada, and you would think, boom, they'd fight right away then. But, no, they're they're going to build it up a little bit too.
0: Yeah, I think it would be best if they built it up and kind of give them a little bit more time and build it up and get them, you know, have Raquel Miller fight with the Bella, see if they can get on TV or anything. Because, quite yeah. honestly, David, we're going to be talking about it in our upcoming calendar. Yeah. Um I think that Golden Boy is on the right track somewhat with what's going to happen tomorrow night at the Belasco Theater, and then they're also scheduling um, the same thing for April. And who's to say that sometime later this summer the main event at the Belasco Theater could not be Marisela Cornejo against Raquel Miller? You know, I think that would be perfect. I think it's the right TV, platform. Main event. Main event TV. The right platform. You know, I understand and I agree with women that they deserve to get everything that they work for and they strive for and everything that they've been asking for throughout all these years. I mean, look at us. We do this show every other Thursday. Why? Because we believe that female boxing deserves everything that they ask for and they need. And and just like the men. Right. But let's not kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves and think that, that the world of boxing is just going to hand it to them and say, okay, guys, we're ready. They have to build it. And why not build it with Golden Boy Promotions at the Velasco Theater? I've been there. You've been there, David. You're going to be there tomorrow. The platform, the TV platform is is, is good enough. It gets streamed on, on internet, so it's easy to find, and everybody around the world can see it. And the theater is, is small enough that two women women like Manicela Cornejo and Raquel Miller, and we're going to see it tomorrow night with Sinés Estrada, and we're going to see it in April with Marlene Esparza, that they can show that, hey, we're big enough to fill up this small theater, which is small, but it's a good enough size. And, And once they start doing that on a consistent basis, now they can start looking at pushing it towards something bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and who knows how big it can get, right? but it has to take the right steps. I'd rather see Maricela Cornejo against Raquel Miller on that platform. I'd rather see Cines Estrada on black platform, Marlene Esparza, than their first fight out on a Canelo Golovkin card uh, in May, where nobody's going to be there. And you can only see it on the internet uh, or on Facebook, on the Golden Boy uh, Facebook page.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you want to get the, the biggest audience as possible and you want it to be you know focused everybody focused on that fight and I think Mm -hmm. uh, Golden Boy's approach is the best one so far because she's actually the main event and I I was talking to my editor uh, just recently he 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 couldn't believe that they're the main event he thought it would be Antonio Orozco but Mm -hmm. nope. it's Anissa Estrada is the main event and yeah focus is on her
0: i thought i don't even think orozco is the semi main event i think orozco is uh, is just part of the card i think the uh, uh how do you pronounce his name Jose gonzalez uh the, oh, the recently, yeah 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 i think he might be the main event the semi main event
1: yeah it's it's you know they they know that she's a star and they want the people to realize this is a star yeah and take a look at her.
0: And if you watch the fight, like like me, like I'm going to be watching the Sinesa Estrada fight tomorrow night. You know, on um, you're going to be there. I'm going to be watching it on, on whatever platform I can find, on EstrellaTV.com or or on the Facebook page or whatever. And if I'm watching the fight, I want to watch the fight, and I want to see the crowd reaction. I want to hear the crowd react to the punches. I want to hear the crowd react when the women get announced. And, 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 and if you watch these same fights and they're on – on the Facebook page and it's at three PM on a Saturday afternoon from Las Vegas and when they are announcing Es Estrada or Malenes Farsa you hear three people clapping, it's not as exciting as when you hear, you know, five, six, seven hundred people cheering them on from downtown LA.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's 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 pretty electric at the Velasco too. They really love boxing there. The people that go there, they stand in line for over an hour, sometimes two hours. Over the line that goes around the block.
0: Yeah, no, I've been there. Uh, now we're gonna move on to a little bit of female fight chatter. Starting off with Michaela Lauren, 29 and five with 13 knockouts. We'll be facing Verena Kaiser, 10 and 0 with five knockouts for the IBO female world super welterweight title on April 21st in Sundsvall, Sweden. Uh, the Nordic Queen, as Mikaela Lauren is known, returns to action, fighting her sixth-round TKO lock to unified welterweight champion Cecilia Breakhouse, and is straight back into world title contention against the undefeated 24-year-old 24, 24 Kayser. I'm laughing because you know I, you know she went from fighting for all the world titles at welterweight. Now she's fighting for the IBO title, which is not bad, but you know. Yeah. It's kind of amusing. I'm really excited about this fight. She says that says a 42 year old from Stockholm. I did not believe that she was 42 years old. She looks a lot better than that. It means everything to me to be back fighting for a world title. I know I'm up against a really tough opponent, so I will need to be at my best to win. So Michaela Lauren, despite losing twice now to Cecilia Brighouse, is not giving up on her on her boxing career. Not a bad record, 29 and five with 13 knockouts. Five of those losses to yeah. the best. The best uh, fighter in the world, according to some, not to David Avila, but according to some. And uh, okay.
1: um,
0: but uh, you know, so it's not bad. And she's fought some good fighters. She's fought, you know, Clara Spencer and she's fought a mm-hmm. bunch of other good, uh, good fighters. So, forty-two years old, you know, th- not bad. I mean, we were talking about Alicia, uh, Alicia Ashley, who is fifty years old, and Jolene Blackshear. Fought to like I think she was in early 50s, if not late 40s. Um, so it's not it's not a, it's not something unseen in female boxing uh, that that they fight to be this old. I mean Cecilia Breakhouse, she fought she lost to Clara Swenson, uh, she lost to Christina Hammer. She lost to see La Breakhouse her first fight. So, you know, when she steps up, she ends up she, – she's probably not an elite fighter when she steps up to the elite uh, level of, of boxers, but I'm sure she's good enough to beat uh, Verena Kaiser. She ends up losing to a 10-0 and fighter. Then I believe that she would start thinking about what's in the future for her.
1: Yeah, it's hard to tell because some fighters, uh, they may be 40, but they don't want to quit like your Alicia Ashley. I mean, boxing is a life, uh, and that might, may be the case with Michaela Lauren. It may be a life. It's something that she just loves to do and can't see herself not doing it. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, uh, 20,012 Olympic bronze medalist Marlene esparza No will make her headlining debut when she takes on Philadelphia's Leticia Campana in an eight-rounder super flyweight fight on April 6th edition of the LA Fight Club at the Velasco Theater in downtown Los Angeles, and televised live on Estrellas TV, Voxel Estelar. we'll be talking a little bit more about that in our upcoming calendar, David. As far as female fight chatter, do you have any news down the pipeline that you heard of or that you've come across?
1: Uh, no, uh, other than just to repeat what we said about Michaela fighting on the uh, May 12th card in uh, New York City. Um, that's, that's the newest stuff that I've heard.
0: Now, have you heard anything regarding Yocasta Valle and Naoko Fuyoka, or at least Yocasta Valle? she coming, coming back to the United States, to Japan, in her hometown of Costa Rica or country. What, what have you heard about her? Uh, you
1: know, I haven't heard anything yet. I know that both her and Naoko want to fight in the United States. They both have that same goal they want to be known here. They, kind mm. of, they, they both said that they realize that, you know, this is basically the center of the boxing universe, and they want to be known here. They're known in their own countries. They're big. They're considered the best of their countries, respectively. But they they want to be here and fight the best here. And the good thing is that they don't care who they fight. And hopefully we can we can find out, because I know that both of them, well, yokata has not fought since losing King Mayoko. But Naoko recently won last month.
0: Mm, last month. Oh well. No, actually now Na, Yao Naoko hasn't fought since she beat Yocasta Valle. Oh, okay. Yeah, fine. she hasn't fought. She hasn't fought. Okay, so we're gonna move on to our upcoming calendar and just in line with what we said with Marlene Sparsa. And when we'll be talking about Velasco Theater, hopefully Golden Boy does do that. I mean, and and, and it looks like it's moving towards that direction with these two fighters that they have. We just announced that Malena Sparta will be making the headlining. So she's gonna be the main event on April 6th at the Belasco Theater. And tomorrow night, Friday, March 16th at the Belasco Theater in Los Angeles, California, and Golden Boy Promotions on Estrella TV is gonna give us also a main event between Ceniesa Estrada from East LA and Sonia Osorio of Mexico City in an eight rounder at 112 pounds. They weighed in today. Sineza Estrada gave a little bit. She weighed in a little bit over 108 pounds, which is a junior flyweight uh, limit. And Osorio came in at about 110 pounds. So that is why it's uh, officially a flyweight title. I believe, David, that this fight is gonna be a barn burner, David. We've seen Sineza Estrada fight. We've seen her numerous times. We've seen her on the undercards of uh, uh, Triple G. And, you know, we've had her on the show about a month ago where she talked to us about signing with Golden Boy. And I've seen Sonia Osorio fight as well. I've seen her in person. I've seen her fight Isabel Millan. It was a losing cause, but she's a come-forward tough fighter. And in her last – I don't believe in her last fight, but I think it was one of her last fights, she actually was – She fought in Florida against Noemi Bosquez, and I'm sure that she was brought in to be... No, that was her last fight. She was brought in to be, you know, maybe uh, the opponent, and she ended up winning the unanimous decision over Noemi Bosquez in her last fight back in uh, July of last year. So it's almost been a year that she hasn't fought, or at least 10 months, 9 months, and now she's coming back against Iniesta Estrada. And David... I think it's going to be a good fight. Osorio is a a natural 108 112 pounder. Um she's actually she's the, the lowest that she has fought is 110 pounds. So this is the weight class that she has uh, that she's been fighting fighting at. Um she's not going to be a smaller fly fighter like uh uh Estrada's last opponent uh who was um a, a natural 105 pounder and the one time, David, that we've seen Strada uh on the floor was against, was it Nancy? No, it was uh, Cristina Fuentes who dropped her, and Cristina Fuentes can be considered a, a come-forward, uh, you know, brawler, and I think and Sonia Soto is exactly the same thing, but bigger than Cristina Fuentes with a better record, and fresher. So I think this is a really, really good fight for Sinisa Estrada, And it's a really good fight to be the main event at the Velasco Theater.
1: Yeah, well, for Sinisa, it's always a problem finding girls at her natural weight class, which is 108. So she's usually forced to fight the bigger girls. And, uh, but, you know, she has a style where it, if she fights her fight, then it's, it'll be the same thing. But she depends on her movement and her angles. And her uh, punch selection to to outmaneuver uh, and defeat her opponent. So it should be interesting because this girl is bigger. She looked bigger, looked looked taller, and uh, it's it's going to be a good one because this is the main event, and it's eight rounds. It's not a four rounder or a six rounder.
0: Yeah, it's an eight rounder. Now, David, if and I was just thinking about this, but if she gets past Osorio, which she should because Zinista Estrada is more talented and she has better boxing ability, but it's not going to be easy. If if the same Osorio that fought Isabel Millán fights tomorrow night, it's not going to be an easy night for Zinista Estrada, and I wouldn't be surprised if she ends up on the canvas like she did against uh, Cristina Fuentes, but if she comes up, if she comes up victorious in this fight, I wouldn't mind seeing her against uh, Anai Torres, who won that international title against uh, Luisa Lawson, uh, what was that about, less than a month ago on the undercard of Juan, uh, C- Cesar Aquel against Juan Francisco Estrada, which was an upset, um, I think that's a great matchup for her as well, because it would keep building her because although Anai Torres' is, her record is not that great, she's 17 wins, 16 losses, we saw what she was able to do against uh, Luisa Lawson, who is a boxer, is a mover, and the same thing that Inicia Estrada does. But Anai Torres has a lot of experience, and she knows how to get around fighters, and I think that would be a great fight for Inicia Estrada if she gets past Son- Sonia Osorio. Well,
1: well, it would be returning, though, because Inicia already beat her.
0: Oh, yeah, she did beat her. She beat her in her last fight. You know what? And then the, 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 we raised everything that I just said, then because she actually <laughs> beat her quite she, – She that was also an eight-rounder, and she ended up beating her 80, 72, three times. So that goes to show that Sinisa Strada was able to um, do what Luisa Lawson was then able to do a month ago at the Forum.
1: Yeah, styles make fights. It's kind of interesting, but that's the way it is in boxing, styles make fights.
0: Now another fight that that we uh, included here on the upcoming calendar, and it's not going to be televised, but the only reason that I wanted to make a note of it is because it's at middleweight but it, at, in Remington park tomorrow night david from Oklahoma City in oklahoma h c boxing has the main event for the global boxing Council and w i b a hundred sixty pound title which in a sense. You know the regional titles per se, but we have a 12 and 0 woman from Slovenia, 19 years old, 12 and 0, seven knockouts by the name of Emma, the princess cousin, who is going to be facing Eva Bajic in the 10 rounder, David. She's going to be defending that WIBA uh middleweight title, and then it's going to be the vacant Global Boxing Council. And the only reason that I mention it is because she's 12 and 0. She comes in. She comes. With the, with the win here, she'll be 13-0 and, and who's to say that sometime in the future, in 2018, we don't see her being an opponent for Clarissa Shields at 160 pounds with that kind of record.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, she's a, a mystery, middleweight, but, yeah, uh, Mister, yeah, I, mystery middleweight. Yeah, mystery
0: middleweight. Mystery middleweight, <laughs> David. First fight in the United States, she's been fighting all over the eastern block of Europe, but she's 12, 13, 12 and zero right now. Southpaw, five, eight and a half, nineteen year old nineteen years old. So, hopefully, we catch some video of her. Um, but I was, I was, when I was looking at the schedule, I was kind of intrigued by this fight. So hopefully, there's some video of her now that she's going to be fighting in the United States, and we could take a look at it and see what she brings to the table at 13, twelve and zero with seven knockouts.
1: Yeah, maybe we should uh, call Amy Green because Amy Green's from uh, Oklahoma City. Um. Maybe she- he will be there
0: oh yeah yeah that's a good point that's a good point Then maybe we could do that for our next show our next show schedule for march 29th here on the two minute round your hooks and jabs look at the female fight world and moving on on our upcoming calendar on saturday night march 17th both of us david avila and myself will be at the commerce casino in commerce california <clears throat> to watch um Superflyway Adelaida Reese take on Brenda Enriquez in a four-rounder. And <clears throat> Lisa Porter taking on Kazakhstan's Aida Sati valdinova in a four-rounder as well, 135 pounds. David, why don't you tell us about these two fights?
1: <clears throat> yeah, well, for those that don't know, uh, Commerce Casino is right next to East L.A. And so it's <clears throat> it's also... A place where they've had many boxing events in the in the past. Uh, Adelaida Ruiz is a she's a a former amateur champion who who was out of boxing for ten years while she had not raised a family and she has three kids now. But she returned last year and she's taken the the pro boxing world by storm. She's fighting somebody from uh, Utah called Brenda Enriquez who will be making her debut against Adelaide Ruiz. That's an interesting fight, uh, just to see uh, Ruiz, and we don't know what Enrique brings to the table. But in the other fight, Lisa Porter, a former amateur standout, uh, American amateur standout, will be fighting uh, Kazakhstan's Aida Saribaldinova, who was a national champion in, in Kazakhstan, two-time national champion. She was over here. She's been here for several months. And she wanted to to get a fight, and but she couldn't fight over here in the U.S. as a professional because she doesn't have the proper visa. She's only on the tourist visa. And because of that, she's going to donate all of her money to a cause, uh, to a woman's uh, uh, cause so that she's still legally uh, not making uh, money as a pro but this her style is very aggressive. She's fighting Lisa Porter, a stand-up boxer, and uh, it's going to be a very interesting fight for... Too bad it's only four rounds. It's one of those fights that should be 10 rounds because Porter just won 10 rounds her last fight, but because it's a long fight card, it's only going to be four rounds. But if you want to see a real good matchup, that is going to be a seriously good matchup.
0: And Lisa Porter's coming off... The first loss of her career. She's one win, one loss, one draw. She fought Haley pa- Passion back in uh, November of 2016. And then she came back in November of 2007, uh, actually, sorry, February of 2017, and fought to a draw against Catonia Fish- Fisher. And then her last fight, which was in December, she fought Selena Barrios. And lost a 10-round majority decision for the vacant NABF female title, and then now she's fighting Aida Sati Baldinova on Saturday night. So she's had a tough, tough uh, up uh, coming up in in boxing. She's 29 years old. So let's see what happens on Saturday night. I mean, if she loses to the national Kazakhstan champion, even though she is a national champion, but a pro debuter, she's gonna have to rethink of what she's doing because you know, to be one and two with one draw and with only four fights in the last two years. So it's kind of tough. It gets tough out there for women. Now, Selena Barrios, the one that we mentioned. We do have an exclusive interview that we did with her a couple months ago. So if you uh, follow the two-minute round, the podcast, and you have it on your uh, podcast app on your iPhone or whatever, or Google Play on your Android, and you go back to some past podcasts, you can find a exclusive interview that we did with Selena Barrios, where she talked about how she got into boxing. Her brother is Mario Barrios from El Paso, Texas. And then she also talks about that fight against Lisa Porter. And then we also have an interview with Adelaide Reese, whom David was mentioning, you know, stopped boxing for 10 years to raise a family. She has three children and, you know, she just, she just had that little itch. She had that itch. She didn't want to, she didn't want to grow old, and, and be those kind of people that say, "What if I would have kept boxing, or what would have happened if I would have done it?" So she came back. She came back, and she's given herself a timeline of when things need to happen, and she's going to be fighting. She's a big ticket seller out there in East LA commerce area. So we're going to be there Saturday night to watch her fight, and hopefully we can have some interviews with them. And and after the fight and playing for you on our next show uh, slated for March 29th. So that is this Saturday night, March 17th, in the Commerce Casino in Commerce, California. If you're in the area, like David said, you don't want to miss this fight card. Big fight against Lisa Porter, against Ida Sati Baldinova, and Delilah Greens against Brendan Riques. Commerce Casino All-Star Boxing on Saturday, March 17th. And on Saturday, March 24th, from Saltillo Cahuila on uh, Sanford, gives us on the channel, Anabel Vispa ortiz making her 10th defense of her WBA 105-pound title against Etsuko Tada uh, from Saltillo. is going to be televised in Mexico, and Etsuko Tada, no stranger to Mexico and its fighters since she's fought there a number of times. And I'm going to tell you exactly who she fought against and where. Uh, she's 17 and three with two draws, five knockouts. So not a bad record at all. She fought. Uh, pa, 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 mm, she fought Anabel Ortiz. It's going to be a rematch of their November 8, thousand and fourteen fight. That was a split decision win for Anabel Ortiz in Mexico. So that could have been gone either way. Um, and this is actually gonna be the third fight, David, between them because Anabel Ortiz actually traveled to. Uh, japan back in july of 2013 and that's when she captured the wba title in a split decision in japan so it looks like um it looks like uh Anabella, uh Anabel ortiz has etsuko tada's number beating her twice already and beat her in her home country of tokyo of japan
1: yeah yeah but you never know about age and battles and if somebody has lost the step uh it was kind of like, it reminds me of when Mariana Juarez fought uh, this last fight against a girl from Uruguay, uh, Bouvier, and she had stopped her twice, but this last time she had a battle with her. So you mm-hmm. never know. You never know. Sometimes the uh, age can catch up to the champion and the other person uh, gets stronger.
0: Right. Now, Tada does own a win of her fellow Mexican, Iberla Roca Zamora. Back in 2011, and that was in Japan, and she defended that WBA 105-pound title. And then she also has a win over Maria Salinas, a uh, longtime veteran, uh, in 2012. So the only she has three losses, and two of them have come to uh, Anabel Ortiz. Also, Carelli Lopez traveled in 2015, another Mexican, to Tokyo, and she beat her via unanimous decision. So. We'll see what happens, and now she's going to be traveling to Mexico on Saturday, March 24th, to challenge Anabel Ortiz or to fight Anabel Ortiz for the third time. And on Sunday, March 25th, from Okada Manila Hotel and Casino in Manila, Philippines, Casey Morton from the Bay Area, San Francisco, uh, goes back to Asia, David, for her third fight in a row against Nong Mai coquette gym, and an eight-rounder at 112 pounds. Casey Bornen, who started originally from um, Hawaii and began her career in the Bay Area of California near San Francisco, Oakland. She's 6-0 with three draws, only one knockout. She fought in Mexico one time. But since switching teams, and now she's with – she's trained by um, Nonito Donaire's father – She's gone to uh, the Philippines back in in June of last year. She won a United Session there, and then she went to China in November of last year and scored a first-round TKO, and now she's going back to the Philippines and fin- facing a Thai fighter by the name of Namwai Kokitjim, and that's going to be on Sunday, March 25th. So she's making her name for herself out there in the Philippines, and that is Casey Warner from the Bay Area of San Francisco. So uh, as it was mentioned um, we're going to have our next show on March 29th. We're going to be talking about all these fights, about Cines Estrada and Sonia Osorio, which should be a great fight. We're going to be seeing if we can find some footage of Emma Cozen and see if she ends up victorious uh, this Friday night as well. Uh, she will be, if she does, she'll be 13-0 and quite possibly a future opponent for somebody at middleweight. Could be Clarissa Shields, could be Raquel Miller, could be Maricela Cornejo. Then also on Saturday, March 17th, we have Adelaida Reese and Lisa Porter facing Brenda Enriquez and Aida Satibaldinova respectively, in Commerce, California. And then on the 24th, we have Annabel Ortiz facing Itsuko Tada for the third time in their careers from Saltillo, Coahuila, in Mexico, and then Casey Morton traveling to the Philippines. And we'll be talking about all that on March 29th and whatever news comes up the pipeline in female boxing this is the two minute round your hooks and jabs look at female boxing this is episode number 43 and we're going to be saying goodnight David David, any last thoughts
1: no just everybody have a good weekend and hope the rain doesn't get you
0: alright folks we bid you farewell we thank you for listening to another episode of the two minute round your hooks and jabs look at the female fight world we'll be here again on March 29th and with that said we bid you good night.